Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Womenhood and International Relations podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla, and for today's episode, we will continue the series of the burden of the colonial mindset. We began this series last year. I didn't think that it would become a series, but throughout this journey of interviewing many of you, learning um, each time more about post-colonialism, decolonialism, my own story as a Puerto Rican woman and as a woman in itself, led me to continue uh, recording and rewriting um, my story and my understanding of how deep is the impact of the colonial mindset. I invite you to check the previous episodes. I will list them all uh, down below in the description box. The first episode, I share with you the story of uh, Puerto Rico, like the history of Puerto Rico and my own journey as a Puerto Rican woman and as a researcher on international relations. And then on the second um, episode, we dig deeper in the different dynamics of the colonized mind and the colonizer mind, a bit, you know, um, bringing into um, experiences all the different talks about post-colonial theory and a bit about decolonial theory. But in the case of Puerto Rico, as you have already known, um, we are still a colony. So decolonization or um, post-colonial theory or, or mindset does not necessarily apply at this point in the period that we are living as, you know, in political and economical terms as well as social terms. So in Puerto Rico, the case needs to engage in anti-colonial practices before we engage in a process of decolonization. Anti-colonial practices have taken um, soar lately, specifically after Hurricane Maria in 2017. And soon, I'm so excited to share with you upcoming interviews with Puerto Rican women in several spheres, from political participation spheres to health, as well as peace-building efforts in Loiza, in San Juan, that will share with us the different accounts of, you know, this whole um process, you know, and anti-colonial practices. So look forward for those episodes that are coming soon. These are going to be amazing interviews, and I'm so excited for that to happen. Okay, so digging right in, I wanted to share with you um, several talks, and maybe it's best to start with the whole womanhood issue, um, because after, you know, having these pre-talks with this special guest that we will feature in the following weeks, one of the things that, you know, helped me as a person and as a researcher was reconnecting and understanding better our journey as Puerto Rican women. And one of the things that I got very clear is how can we start shifting from this victim mentality, you know, or from these um, colonial um, conversation. It seems like whenever there's like an international news report or someone from abroad wants to talk to Puerto Rican women, it's as if the whole situation of, you know, U.S.-Puerto uh, Rico colonial relationship is the one thing that we can talk about. Um, even through the lenses of gender-based violence and all the different um, levels of you know direct cultural or structural violence it seems that when we t 
talk to Puerto Rican women, we want them to address colonial, colonial relationships. Um, I am not comfortable with that. I mean, I never imagined that my whole experience as a woman was connected to colonization until I left the island or the archipelago, you know? It wasn't until I started living abroad that that whole conversation was like this mark, you know, like this stereotypical conversation. You either talk about reggaeton or perreo or you talk about colonization, but it's as if our work, our efforts, our personal interests, our hobbies are non-existent for that, you know, for that otherhood. And I find it's, this is very troublesome and speaking with, you know, these future special guests and connecting with them on several levels, I found that we are so much more than just this untangible relationship and I say untangible because yes we can talk about you know the uh, cabotaje laws or las leyes de cabotaje which are like these um, laws um, saying you know like Puerto Rico cannot do trade um, with other um, independent states unless it is through the United States or, you know, like all these political status or the corruption that's taking um, soar lately. It's as if we cannot escape this box that we have been placed in. And we are more than this relationship and we are doing more not only to change this relationship of colonizer and colonial um, status, but also to become known as what we have to deliver beyond our, our national identity. In the first episode of um, this uh, series of the burden of the colonial mindset, I talked about the work of um, Anthony Smith, Anthony Smith, um, he wrote this book about national identity, and that was one of the first books, alongside with you know Franz Fanon's work and Albert Memmi's work, that really struck me is how national identity is so malleable and it's created to you know build community, but at the same time to separate us from each other and when we are seeing in Europe or in the United States these uh, rising uh, conversations on ultra nationalism or you know closing borders so we can be protected from the other um, and you know reaffirming our identity through race through gender through you know different elements of our um, intersectionality, I wonder if we are falling prey of a, of a similar trap. In um, 2018, when I was living in Miami, I visited Little Havana and there was this uh, beautiful um, wall that had Cuba um, ingrained, you know, like the uh, stone uh, in stone the map of Cuba 
and it said it had a quote by um, Marti by Jose Marti saying the the patria or the homeland is agony as well as duty and I took a photo there because I, I was very reflective of back then I you know was you know feeling very heavy this antagonism toward my culture and I was you know even recording episodes on you know being a Puerto Rican woman it's like Puerto Rico itself is a violented or a, 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 a woman being violented um, or being um, raped in a sense you know like the island the archipelago has been a, a, a raped woman and that was a very strong statement to say and it's still a very strong statement to say today but now I see it with other eyes I don't see it through the lenses of oh poor us oh poor the island oh poor like no now I see that we also have a responsibility for this situation to continue but I also see you know, speaking with these women and reconnecting with women in Puerto Rico that are doing amazing work, that we are not victims. We are doing the best that we can through these circumstances. And it is the narratives of international media or, you know, the people on different research centers that want to continue placing us on certain boxes. And sometimes we play along because we want the message to get across. We want our work to be known. And that's something, you know, that we can have a whole different episode to talk about this, but it really got me thinking about this duty and this burden and this sacrifice and this pain Anthony Smith, in his work on national identity, better frame this. It's like, this is all a construct. This is all a malleable concept. And if it is a construct created by the mind, it can be changed. We can identify ourselves through different mediums, through different forms. Our homeland should not hurt us. We should not carry the responsibility or the pain instilled in the history of our land, of where we were born. We don't have to. We can choose to. I mean, if that's a choice, then that would be amazing, you know? If you choose to do that, it's amazing. But it's the whole conversation of either or that I find it very upsetting. And we have talked about this in, you know, this whole post-colonial theory conversation, not only in terms of how do the Western world or Euro-American lenses defines what's not considered, you know, part of that center, that core of decision-making, But also, how can we stop universalizing women's experiences or even, you know, specifying, because that's something that we saw in decolonial feminism, that 
there's also this either or you either go to the universal route or you go to the specific route you know like being very specific on a certain topic and there there are no you know gray areas it's either or and I think that that is a patriarchal way of continuing violence continuing putting people on certain places and even us engaging in relationships through these dynamics. Another topic that I would like to address in this episode is how um, through this whole conversation on universality, there are two things that really um, struck with me is that first, you know, I started asking myself why I launched this podcast in the English language and that's something that I have covered in several episodes before but now I see it on a different light specifically because you know like international relations which is one of my passions like it's in the English language how things get done even business is done in the English language if you want to soar if you want to you know like um, grow and become economically empowered as a woman and have several businesses or you know like several platforms English should be the way to go and I was wondering why but also through learning about you know like the different struggles here in Latin America and the Caribbean with the Abdiyala feminisms like how can we actually find power and find honor in our own history and our own lineage and stop you know giving too much credit to what others say about us others from the north say about us you know it really put me to think like why am I trying to make a podcast that reaches as many people as possible am I doing a similar work with the colonizer mind am I playing that part through this podcast that's something that really got me thinking lately and I'm still trying to figure out how to best approach because I don't know how much of this inner passion, like I feel like I I feel this drive to connect with women worldwide, not just, you know, to, oh, let's have the exclusive and, you know, like if it, this was like an Oprah show, like, no, it, it was more like, I want to understand, I want to listen. And if I, ha I can have a platform where they can be listened. I mean, it's not that they need a platform. It's not that any of you need a platform to get your voice known or get your voice recognized or to tell your story. You probably don't need that. So it got me thinking, is this also a tool of, or this also a result of this globalization theory that we have become lately so critical about 
because now we understand that through globalization theories, through this desire to, you know, connect with women worldwide, we may be bringing some lenses of colonizer or con conqueror or, you know, these power dynamics through, you know, um, liberal feminism or through um, capitalist um, trends or, you know, like, I don't know, it's, it's more complex than what I'm trying to say here. So um, I apologize if it's not the message getting across clearly. But my whole point is that it really made me think, why are these platforms made? How can we actually do international reporting? Is it necessary to do international reporting? I think that's a bigger and incendiary question. And it really affects me because that's my dream. Like that's what I wanted to do since I was a kid. Like I wanted to report the world. Like that was for me my dream. And I did my dream. And I found that even reporting for big outlets like FN News Agency or, you know, like trying to get uh, a story on The Guardian or Public Radio International or in all these big outlets that one considers like top of the top. You still fall, fall prey of their own understandings of the world. I remember so clearly, like I got into the final round of decision for a job at AFP uh, uh, Associated French Press as well as France 24 they were gonna launch I mean they have launched it but they were at that point planning to launch a TV channel in the Spanish language with a base in Bogota and they were doing final rounds of selection here in Mexico City so I went and did the whole test and you know met with the director of France 24 back then who was like very this male chauvinistic kind of guy and he was basically um, saying that it wasn't the job as a producer was not like basically he was saying do not dream of becoming ever a presenter because that's only for French people because you here in Latin America do not know how to report yourselves so we as French people I mean because it's a French channel we will be the ones reporting to you the news because we can do it from, you know, a, a neutral lenses. And I rebelled against that. I was like, who are you talking to? Like, what is this close up mindset? And why are you telling me that, you know, like we cannot report ourselves? Like, who are you talking to? You know, like, and the same happened with BBC when I tried to um, get, I, I got into the final round of selection for a post in uh, Miami back in 2017. And the same question was made. It's like, you need to follow BBC guidelines. We are, you know, we, this neutral um, channel and we cannot um, have people that have, you know, political interests or, you know, national identity is, interest or you know you have to become a vacuum a robot basically 
as if people from these specific places, you know, British or French people or American people, you know, know the rules and are better at understanding the world and reporting the world. I don't know if imperialistic behaviors were, um, how is it, Hot, hidden behind all these conversations, but it is very troublesome. How can we actually engage in international reporting? How can we actually engage in interviewing women all around the world without reproducing the same practices that we are learning are continuing this fucked up system? I still don't know the answer. If any of you listening out there knows any way that we can do this ethically and also like what is ethics, you know? <laughs> Now in this post-truth era, what is anything mean, you know? <laughs> Please be sure to reach out and share with me your thoughts on Instagram account. We have, you know, we post, um, you know, post all these conversations. So be, be sure to, to reach out and share with us your views on this. And we'll love to read them and, you know, start these conversations. It needs to happen at some point. Lastly, I wanted to share um, something regarding um, the how to tell your story without re-victimizing yourself. That's still a struggle that I'm still learning and seen also with my clients as well like how can we use narrative or different narratives to say you know this happened but I also happened because it's not as if we're passive objects you know receiving things you know like we are also subjects and we have our subjectivity and sometimes when we engage in narratives about violence or about what happens to us Sometimes we take our own subjectivity out of the question. So this, this invitation to position yourself in a, in a role, you know, like I allow this violence or I try to avoid the violence, but somehow it's still, it, it was stronger. I mean, it's okay to say that, you know, like it's okay to say, what you did and what you didn't do or I got paralyzed the fear really took over me you know like these are the ways where we can um, um, evolve I think and um, also what is our identity in this process of becoming one of the things that I shared in, a, in my Instagram account was this t-shirt I mean, you will find the, the post on my Instagram account. I had this t-shirt for quite some time. I bought it in 2016, 2017. It was this blue t-shirt that had the um, 
names of capitals like Paris or Stockholm, Seoul, and I remember very much buying this t-shirt at H&M and feeling like, yeah, I'm a global citizen, this looks so cool, I'm gonna wear it, you know, like, I was so, you know, I found a lot of pride in what it meant, you know, like having all these cities in this shirt, and then throughout this journey, I found that I don't have ever had a t-shirt that had a Puerto Rico name there, and in Puerto Rico, we often criticize people that wear apparel that said the name of Puerto Rico because we have normalized that only tourists from you know the United States mostly Americans you know are the ones using the name Puerto Rico on the shirt and they wear it with pride and it's become like a joke for us you know like we joke for whoever is like wearing that like oh my god that's so stupid but you know like it's interesting because now learning in this process of learning more I found a different lens I see that we have normalized that only gringos can use that and is that in a way perpetuating the colonizer colonial relationship because they are wearing our name or the name of our land with pride but we are not able to do so and though i have to say i have my friend marines <laughs> who's you know share with me very kindly like runs for puerto rico which is like um e-commerce that has you know like beautiful keychains and you know uh, necklaces and you know like good apparel from the land to be worn by us by puerto ricans um I often was wondering what are the tactics that, you know, we have perpetuated. I mean, these are still small um, enterprises that are helping us recover that sense of pride, that sense of, you know, ownership over our land, but somehow we we still have disregarded and um, there are two last things that I want to share is the first one is that speaking with a friend um, Camila Calvalcante who soon will be part of this podcast in a special episode um, she's from Brazil and she was telling me that we needed to be self-compassionate with ourselves in this process of you know learning about feminism and learning about um, colonization and all that because each time that we learn more we may be you know like hating the person that we were before you know the older version of ourselves and I was like yeah I totally I totally get that I totally feel like I don't know if I would want to hang with my older version but she said to me that we needed to be self-compassionate because now we know more and now we have integrated new knowledge or have become more open to questions than what we were once before. And in this journey of feminism, nobody is the top expert on this thing. It's like 
it's a journey and everybody has a different journey and it's okay to have a different journey you know and it's okay to one day say I don't care anymore about feminism I'm gonna become a humanist I'm gonna become any other tag I hate this word like it's okay you know this is part of you know freedom of choice and freedom of expression what I wonder is if we are prepared as humanity, as collectives, as women, as people, to when that moment comes, not judge one another through the lenses of you're right or you're wrong, you know? Or I'm right and you're wrong just because you decided not to call yourself a feminist. You're you're wrong. That's pity, you know, like as part of cultures of violence how can we actually move past cultures of violence regardless of any um, trend or um, ideology we want to embrace in so that's it um, I don't have much to share <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody finds this useful, I, at least for me it is, and it is liberating and at the same time it's terrifying to share all the different um, thoughts that's come to my head and um, it's, it's terrifying because I know that I will be subjected to some point and in several spheres to you know, judgment or criticism or, you know, like, you have that. I know that that's going to happen. Um, but I found that the life is too short to not exercising your subjectivity and not expressing who you are and not expressing all the messed up conflicts that nation, national identity womanhood, feminism, like all the different topics that we have been addressing, like all of them are shaping who I am. And I cannot be, you know, this steel robot. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, you know, like I should stop saying that. <laughs> you should stop saying I'm sorry. I'm not apologizing for my feelings anymore, you know. I don't think that 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 is good as humans as women like we feel I feel I ha I feel very much many emotions you know it's troublesome emotions conflicting emotions and I, I've come to a point in my life where I can say hey this is what I'm feeling is messed up and at the same time it's okay for me to just say it because I know that I don't hold the truth to everything but I know that I own only my own truth and I think that's part of the liberation journey that's part of the freedom journey so if any of you resonate with what I'm saying please be sure to reach out and um, yeah um, Before we end, I, I just wanted to um, share, I watched this video by Ana Teresa Toro, which is a Puerto Rican journalist and author. 
and she uh, released this video with El Nuevo Día, which is the main newspaper in Puerto Rico. Um, basically, it was like a poetry. Uh, it, it wasn't a poetry reading, but it was like a declamation of her own opinion, and I found it very interesting. And one of the things that she was referring to was this quote by a Chilean author, um, saying that you think you are, and this is, of course, my translation. So. There may be other good translations out there, but my translation of what this Chilean author was saying is that would you believe that you are a land or that you are your own country, but in reality, you're just landscape. You know, in, Puerto, in, in Spanish, it's like, crees que, que eres país, pero al final, o a la hora de la verdad, eres paisaje, no? And that's very symbolic, very symbolic. And I want to end this episode with that quote because I don't know if many of us, not only in Puerto Rico, but around the world, like in any country, wherever you're listening, if you feel like your country is actually a facade. I know I have some German friends <laughs> that feel like their country is a facade that can see through the veil of illusion and see that this is all a construct, the state, institutions, these are all social agreements that were predisposed long before we were born and somehow we are continuing them and we are suffering because we were not the ones that agreed upon these terms. And that's something that Charles Eisenstein works very much on the sacred economics conversation and how capitalist system is, you know, like it's a social contract. But it was agreed upon centuries ago. And right now we are suffering the consequences of a failing system and wanting to reform the system rather than open ourselves to a different mind or a higher level of conversation where we can actually develop a new system and we have engaged this in our Spanish language classes that how much of our time are we going to continue wasting feeding to this system trying to reform the state so it becomes a feminist trying to reform foreign policy so it's feminist you know like how much are we trying to make this system that already failed us from the beginning of time as women and as people to survive why cannot we allow it to die and focus on other things focus on building something new and that's terrifying because no we have not been taught that that's possible. But it is possible. You see it through eco-villages, you see it through intelligent cities, you see it through, you know, communi com communal centers, communal tribes that are, you know, moving in a different system. They have their own way of surviving. And 
organization and social organization is different paths. I know this is uh, probably a stronger topic, so I will leave it all here. I know we moved a lot of conversations in this episode. I hope that you enjoy it. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at womenhood underscore IR. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter for the Women and Water Fest. Our first fest for this podcast will be on March 20th. And I wanted to record an, inv an invitation and we'll um, definitely do so once we have the Eventbrite tickets available. So that will be um, early next week. But meanwhile, if you want to receive the latest updates, be, please be sure to subscribe to the newsletter so you receive everything. And um, yeah, let's connect. Save the date for March 20th. And we will engage in um, a community conversation on different levels on womanhood and water. And you're more than welcome to join. So thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you soon.